we're gonna get going. Um, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time here this evening uh, to talk about the stream and the trek. Before we get started, I always do this every year because I just love it. I think it's awesome. And as somebody who is totally blind and somebody who's used the stream for a long time, can I get claps for people who have used or still use a first generation stream? Awesome. That volume. Wow. Do we want to sweat? No. Because we can't. Um, I mean, I can, I can talk. This is, we're going to be maxed out. But, great. So, how many people are using second generation streams? Awesome. How many people are using Victor Reader tracks? Awesome. So, I always do that because as we look at, do we have any Stratus users in the room? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> in full force. So we are we are very, very lucky because um, over the past few years, I have done this uh, sort of group or, or myself and a product specialist or someone, and it's been fun. It's been great. And people have come and said, Peter, I wish we could see A, B, and C, and D on the Victor Reader stream. And one time somebody said, I really wish you would just put the GPS on the Victor Reader stream, and we did it, which is pretty cool. But... What we weren't able to have was our product manager for the products come. So we're all, it's awesome today because normally I do this, but I am going to, yeah, we have a, well, 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 people are getting situated. It's okay. Hold on. So, so we're, we're all very lucky because Robert Panetta is here. Robert is the product manager for the Victor Reader Trek and Stream, and also for some of the new things we'll be working on at HumanWare. So I'm Peter Tusick, but Robert is here. So if we can give Robert a big round of applause. This is his first ACB. That's awesome. So you can still, this is going to be your opportunity to really hear from Robert as the person who puts this stuff in motion. I mean, really, the person who can make things happen. So. I just want to put all the pressure on him, and then I want to hand him the mic, and I'm going to sit down. So this is Peter Tusick. I am done. You can now hear from Robert, and maybe we'll get to some demos at some point, but I think this will be really, really neat, and that Robert is here. So here he is. No, don't believe it is. I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, yeah, well, we, we didn't get one, sorry. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much, Peter. Uh, my name is Robert Panetta. I started uh, on January 14th, so I'm going to be six months next week. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really been a fun ride so far. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, these two days have probably been more valuable in speaking with customers and finding out what it is you guys actually need than the other big conferences we uh, we go to, such as ATIA or CSUN. So. I wanted to cover probably about five or six topics, including, um, and basically the whole thing is giving you a look under the hood. Uh, what happens at Humanware? What is my role? I mean, Peter mentioned uh, Andrew earlier, who's a product manager for the Braille products. Well, what do products, uh, product managers actually do? What role do we play? And how do these products happen? How do they go from being an idea to something that's sold, uh, that you buy and use, and getting updates on them? Uh, 
then a lot of it was going to be navigation as well. So you don't have to be a Trek user to appreciate how satellite-based navigation works. So I want to talk to you about that. What are the components that go into it? And this is no whether you use the Trek, yeah. your phone, any sort of GPS device, a car GPS for some reason. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah, they, they all pretty much work the same way. Then uh, satellite constellations. So this is, for example, the famous Galileo network and how that works and what, what you can actually expect with that. And another hot topic I keep hearing about is indoor navigation. Uh, again, this is something not unique to humanware. A lot of companies are working on this. A lot of people want to make it happen. I'll give you a hint of what the current state is and what the delay in that is. And then finally tell you what updates are, are coming up. Okay. So basically I came on board because uh, probably at the end of last year, humanware realized they've, they've done a lot of really cool things in R&D, making like these great prototypes that really wouldn't go anywhere. They find it would either be too expensive in the end or it wasn't useful. And these are things that, that go towards assistive technology, being devices that help you out, personal assistance they call them. So they started looking for a product manager who could be able to lead that. And luckily, you know, lucky for me, they gave me the job to do this, which is really exciting. And then at the same time, when they looked at their portfolios and they saw, well, we have these Victor Reader products, the Stream, the Stratus, that customers love. And that's what I've found here. I, I lost count over how many people told me, oh, I just love my Stream, I can't live without it, it's great. I have three or four. Uh, yeah, so so they realize, okay, we, we need somebody full-time devoted to these products to take care of the bugs and lead them out of it. So so they gave the portfolio to me. Uh, so for the last six months, this is what I've been looking at. I've been looking at what are the what are customers asking for, what are the updates we could bring in, what are the big sore points that have been greatly ignored that you know we could bring back up to par and make sure that this is a product that that lives up to expectations. Okay, so so the way the company's organized, when you come to these conferences, you can meet the Peters, the Cates, the Francines, um, and these are the salespeople. These are the ones who are interfacing with you. And then they might talk about, okay, we have the engineers back, uh, back at the factory. But between those two, generally speaking, uh, in every company you go to, it's kind of a culture clash between the people doing sales and the engineers. So you have the engineers are just thinking, oh, I'm just building a quality product. Why can't the salespeople just sell it and stop complaining so much? And I just need you to go out there and do that. And the salespeople coming back and say, these engineers aren't listening. They got, you know, my users need this, that, and the other. Can't the Oompa Loompas just go on, build something that I could go off and start moving? And this is something that's existed for a long time. So probably about 30 years ago, this whole concept of product management was born. And then you have people who were hired and their job is, you know, I, nobody answers to me, I'm not a manager of people, but I'm a manager of what's happening in the products, which means I come to conferences like this, I have calls, you know, regular conversations with Peter, with, uh, with Francine, with the sales team, with everybody who's out there seeing, okay, what's actually happening out in the field? Where are we having problems? What is it that people want to see? Then I take that information and then I go back to engineers and I see what the engineers have already built. What is it is possible? Well, this is what our users actually want to see. This is what they need. And what is possible? And then just going back and forth between them and making sure that uh, we do build a product that is going to benefit, that you could find benefit from. So 
Probably another thing is I can't stress this enough when you do send in an email with a complaint or a product suggestion or just anything and it has to do with the track, it's tagged to me and it does go to my desk. So I do see everything. So when you do come in, you write an email with, you know, it could be a very well thought out, very long suggestion about what we could do, up to a thousand words sometimes. It gets tagged and it gets sent to me. So you get an automatic message back, but it, I do read it. And this does go into factoring into what we do for updates, as well as thinking about how we're going to build the products of the future. So, Support at humanware.com. <laughs> and it's better to send it to support at humanware.com actually because internally we have a tracking system. So if, if you send the email directly to me, what happens is it gets in my inbox and it gets lost and then I have to go in there and I have to search for it. But if you send it to our, to our support, it gets entered in the system so that when it comes time, maybe once a month, I'll log in, I'll just do a search for suggestions and then all the suggestions will come up and I'll be able to see them and I'll be able to track them and then I could do a, a keyword search like I don't know Bluetooth how many people have talked about Bluetooth and I'll see oh that's that's a really really big topic and then you know we, we could evaluate and do metrics that way so yes you could dig up my email or figure it out and email it directly to me but it really is much more efficient if you just send it to support at humanware.com Um, all right, so yeah, I guess we can move on from there. So if, yeah, at any time, if you do have a question, uh, don't hesitate, raise up your hand or just shout it out. Yes. doesn't do that I wished for for years and years and years and I know it's some time in the sky. I wish we could download books automatic you know, uh, wirelessly from Audible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no way that that happens. Uh, yes, so the question was about audible.com. That actually is a really, really good question and Audible knows this. They want to work with us. Uh, we had a conversation with them. Um, Probably back in February, they contacted us. They were talking about they were doing an update. Then we called them back, telling them that what we need to do, you know, what we need on our end to make it work. Uh, they got back to us, and now we're just in the back and forth of establishing technically what do we need to make this happen. The auto manager is so close. Yes. Yes, I know. Yeah, so like I said, this is one of those things. I've heard it. But yeah, direct integration with Audible, that's something that is on our roadmap and we're gonna try to make it happen. I'm wondering about uh, learning ally. 
libraries like the Xavier Society for the Blind? Uh, that is good. So yeah, if there's any libraries you do want to integrate with, just let us know. You could also let them know so we get the conversation going. So what you could do, just email me those libraries and we'll see what we can do. Support at humanair.com. Okay, we have another question here. Hello. Okay. Um, one is I love e-texts, and um, I do read a lot of them. And uh, one question is why do some EPUBs work, and some EPUBs give you strange characters, and so forth in, in the reading. The other question is can we uh, get where it interfaces with streaming services like Hoopla and RV Digital and stuff like that. Folks, if we have a question, what we're going to do is once like this gentleman asked his question, then we're going to have Robert reiterate it for the people that are having a problem in the back hearing, okay? So don't worry, we're going to try and address everything so that everyone gets their answers. Okay, so the question was why is it that some EPUB files get funny characters and other ones work fine? So that's question number one. Question number two, when is the stream actually going to stream content? So uh, the funny character, that depends on how the EPUB is created. Some of them are just quality. That's it. Uh, comes down to when, it gets, when the book gets digitized, depending how they digitize it, depending on how it's edited, especially if a lot of this is done uh, by volunteers. It's great, but you won't have the same quality control measures that you would from a publishing house. So that's usually what, what that issue is. Or if it is a publishing house. Well, then contact the publishing houses and let them know, hey. <laughs> and sometimes with some of the funny characters, it could be genuine accented letters that are just not handled well by, by the TTS for some reason. Like if you have an English TTS and you throw in that German little beta symbol for the shh, it's probably gonna have trouble with that. Uh, now, when is the stream going to stream? That is on the roadmap. Um, I don't know if it's going to be possible on the current stream. I'm trying to push that. This is where I'm digging with the engineers to try to make it happen because, yeah, there are a lot of streaming services. It's great that you can download books. Downloading books is great, but you know, streaming services are becoming a reality, and as we say, people do use them. So it is on, on the roadmap something that we do want to say, but I can't make promises on that. Okay, another question here. Michael Taylor. Hi. Uh, on the on streaming, on Wi-Fi, uh, sometimes, you know, it, it has you wait, 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 and I was wondering, is there any way that you could time out, you know, and start over? Sometimes you got to cut off the machine there to get, you know, either from, you know, to give it up. Is this just connecting to Wi-Fi or trying to download something? No, this is uh, being on the, uh, the toolbar there and you know having a bunch of uh, radio stations or whatever, and you go from one to the other, and sometimes you get on one and then just you know, wait, 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 wait. I, I notice there's a difference between uh, if what you want to listen to is number three on the toolbar, you go to station number three, 
yeah. to play. A lot of times I would make the connection much quicker. Oh, okay, so I don't know what's causing that offhand. I don't know if Peter has any ideas. No, I, it, would, it would be something from Bluetooth. So, I mean, so. So, so the question is why why is it saying please wait um, and why would you hear please wait sometimes on a radio station and I think if you're looking at a radio station and it's giving you a please wait 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 we did it right so it, and then a lot of times it'll cancel that is happening generally it could be a problem with the URL or it could be a problem with your Wi-Fi. But I think in general, it, it is usually something with the URL for the station. And that all the stream is doing is it's just trying to activate a URL. So if you're having a problem, that the, the person who runs that Utoon stuff is, is really good. And he's usually really good at, at fixing things. So I would, I would definitely report Is there any that way thing. we can get it to give up quicker? Uh, give up quicker, like Peter said, that's gonna be an Utoon's thing. Uh, but we could talk to him about that. Like really mean it cancel? Yeah, that could be something that we could implement. That is a good idea. That once you're doing something, you just push cancel. Yeah. Then it does it. Okay, but uh, but yeah, for the Utoons thing, when you are getting a station with this, like Peter mentioned, sometimes it could be the URL has been changed. Radio stations do this because um, very often they decide that they want to bring traffic to their website. This is how they generate money. This is how they put cookies. This is how they track you. It's how companies like Google, as awesome as they are for accessibility, that's how they make their money. So what the radio stations will do to prevent services from just having a permanent link streaming on another website, they'll change their website to force you to go there. When that is the problem, if you contact Utoons directly, this is the most efficient way. This guy who works there is great. Unfortunately, I don't have his email right now, but if you email. <laughs> yeah, so email support at humanware.com and they'll know who to refer you to. And you just tell them what radio station is giving problems, he'll be able to let you know what the issue is. Thank you. Okay, so we have a question back here, then we're going to go off to the side. Yes. Yes. I would like to say Bluetooth on the stream. Bluetooth on the stream will not happen on the current stream because it's a hardware modification. You'd have to take it out. Probably just change change the entire board. So that would be in a whatever is coming up after the stream. And it's on the Victor track. Yeah, it is on the Victor track. about the US the USB piece that actually sticks in or is it the port itself yeah that is a common issue we had um, Christy who asked a question earlier came by yeah uh, what's happening is uh, they're they're getting worn down uh, yeah it's the cord that's getting worn down uh, so that that's one of the issues. So a lot of the, the cords now are being everything in general across all consumer electronics products is being made with cheaper material. That's this true. is this is one of the realities we have that we're facing, and this is everywhere. That's true. Uh, so like even with with iPhones, for example, 
they're not expecting most people to use them for more than three years, so quality and manufacturing is not a top priority at, at a global level anymore. So this is one of the things we have we have to face when we're looking for materials as well that we have to factor in. So we're starting to see it creep in in some things. Um, we're able to handle them. The cords is, um, I'll be honest, this is the first time I heard was this week. I see it as an issue and it's something I'm gonna go back and investigate. No, if you're putting it in, if you're putting it upside down, it will break. <laughs> so, okay, sorry. I'm gonna bring it over to that gentleman on the side, and then we'll come back to you. Uh, two two quick things that I wanted to mention. One is that um, first of all, I really enjoy your product. I have both the screen and the track, and. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with the track is that the point of interest database, if you will, uh, does not seem to be nearly as robust as Sendero's or uh, even my Trekker, even my uh, Trekker Breeze that I have uh, has some local points of interest that are not uh, in the in the track. So I, I'm hoping that uh, with uh, a future update that you'll be able to, to add more points of interest. The second thing I want to mention is I have a number of MP4 files. These were originally came from YouTube. They play just fine on the stream, but they will not play on the track. Uh, they give an error message. Good, I have answers for both of those. So first was the uh, points of interest. Uh, yes. So let's turn this into a positive. Show of applause for everybody who has found issues finding points of interest or having other problems with like if a street is north or south. All right, you guys are gonna be really happy come January. <laughs> so we did identify what the issue is. It's not to do with the maps data. I think sometimes that's been the official uh, line that, that, that we've been telling people. Uh, we looked in, so so as you're navigating, there's three components inside any GPS device that that rolls. So you have uh, the receiver, so this talks to the satellites and gets your position. Then you have the map data uh, that has your streets and your addresses and your points of interest. And then you have between those two is the uh, routing engine or the mapping engine. And this has all the intelligence that it takes your latitude, longitude, altitude coming from the GPS or uh, sorry, from, from the satellites. And then it's taking that over to the map and it's pointing you, it's putting you directly on an address saying that, oh, okay, so I'm at 125 Main. Well, what's around me? And then it's the routing engine that comes in and then actually pulls out all that information and states that, well, around you, you have a dollarama here. You got something here. There's a hotel, there's a Hyatt across the street. And it's also what calculates all the routing and, and takes you down, down the roads and leads you from point A to point B. That's the piece that we're gonna be changing. So that's pretty much the brains of the navigation. We're updating that. You should be receiving that you know, by the end of the year. This is what we're, what we're targeting. The engineers are working hard on this. It's, it's a core piece of the track and we need to make it work. So you should be seeing your navigation enhanced before the end of the year. So yeah, we do have a fix for that. And so sit tight, that one is coming. Uh, for the second part of the question was the MP4s. 
So um, this was the chip that we decided to use for the Trek at the time was um, very new. And to play MP4s, they have a particular codec. This is, I don't want to try to get too technical, but there's something inside the chip that's just not letting us play uh, MP4s unless it's a special format called AAC, which is a special, which has the video separate from the audio. So if you have that format, then it will read it. But unfortunately, the majority of MP4s are not that format. They have the audio is overlaid with the, with the video. It's inside the same, same line. Um, the company that bought the chips, uh, that manufactured our chips, does not want to pay the licensing fee to get this separate. We're not selling enough of them to get them to do this, so it's not in the stream. I mean, sorry, it's not in the track. But it is something that long-term, again, as we're looking, you know, looking to the future, seeing how things are shaping up, we're going to have to permit this. We'll have to support that. So, uh, sorry, Deborah, I'll get to you in a second. There was a question back there. Okay, for the FM radio chip, we're basically dealing with the same thing. Uh, we have to, so this is the chip manufacturer. Again, uh, sees that our volumes are not big enough for them to support us, put that up for us. It's something that, in theory, we think we can do, but it is a huge job. So this is the question of the FM radio. Uh, so we've looked at it, we've seen how much engineering effort is involved. It's something we do want to do. We have to see how much we can we can put into it. But uh, yeah, we, we, we hear you, we see that. It was something that was promised to you. It's something that we feel like we do need to deliver. I just can't promise you a timeline on when that will come. So, sorry, that that answer your question? Yes. Okay. you or someone else in the exhibit hall earlier um, that I talked to. But um, my late husband and I have had to replace our different screen two or three times because the ports are not durable and um, they, they don't accept the USB after a while. You can't, um, it won't stay turned on. And I was told that we all should be getting the ports with the magnetic tips, and so that means we have to buy something else. And I mean, it, it seems like you're not concerned about improving the product so that the port is more durable. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. And Again, li like we said, we talked about the USB port and dealing with the cords is something similar. It's basically, it is a related issue. And having USB, so right now we use the USB-B, which is directional. As Peter was going through his braille earlier, he talked about the USB-C, which doesn't have a direction. That's something that we do want to put it in. It's something we do, and you know, for blind users, it is a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, now, with me in this role, we do have somebody in the company who is listening loud and clear, and that's where we are looking at it. Uh, for, uh, 
unfortunately, we can't we can't pull back time to replace the USB ports, unfortunately. Uh, but like we said, we uh, I do hear you. We think maybe one solution might be they do and these are cheap. These you can get them from Amazon. It can't be less than it could be five to ten dollars. Is a converter that you could put in. So on one end is the USB that we have, and then out the other end is a USB C, so that you could plug it in and use that without having the same issues. We haven't qualified this. It's not on our website. No, it's not the magnetic tip. This is something that's uh, that's different. So the magnetic tip is something that will latch on and lead in and stay in. What this is, is it bypasses the whole problem we have with the USB-B. So instead of using the USB-B, use the USB-C, which is the new type of USB that's used in the iPhone, for example, or like a lot of the other ones that doesn't have directionality. And because it doesn't have directionality, it will be more robust, especially in your case. Uh, but like I said, we haven't qualified one on our own. I'd like to because as we, now again, big bit of coming to this meeting was I knew it was an issue. I didn't appreciate how big of an issue it actually is. So thank you. So what Deborah mentioned was she went to a website. Monoprice.com and looking for a heavy duty USB. And it seems that this cable sticks in and doesn't give her that problem. So that could be another thing that you could explore in time being. So Monoprice.com. Monoprice.com. They also have very low cost stuff. You have to hunt around. Uh, no, the, so the next question was, will the stream be updated with FM radio and the GPS? No, because this is an actual hardware that would have to go into it. But you said you were updating the GPS to points of interest. Yeah, that's only on the track. So you're not, you, never, you don't update points of interest on the stream? The stream, well, because the, the beat off, so hold on. The VR track is the track with the stream. So it's the stream combined with the GPS. That's what the VR track is. Yeah, I had that's a third generation stream. No, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not according to our marketing documents. <laughs> so we had uh, the stream one, then stream two, and then what we did come out with is let's add a GPS to the Trek, and the Trek is running parallel to stream two. So if you have the Victor Reader Trek, you are getting the points of interest update. Victor Reader, I want to see your device. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, it's a case uh, at eight fifteen. We'll uh, okay. show me. That's interesting. Okay, so who is next? That was okay. All right, uh, all right. Thank you again. Uh -oh. Right. <laughs> 
Um, would that be a hardware or a software, firmware, whatever upgrade if you could get more than two voices on your text yeah. speech? Would that be something you could do? And the other question is the other question. Okay, multiple voices. So if this is something that yeah I brought up. I'm very sensitive to this. I was you know I've lived almost everywhere. Well, not everywhere in the world. I lived in, in Europe for a while. Uh, you could easily see a situation where having three, four, all kinds of voices would be great. How uh, the engineers designed this, uh, because it wasn't part of the requirements, we thought, oh, two voices is enough. In order to do this, it's not a firmware update. We basically have to rewrite the entire code base to make this happen. Yeah, so this is why a product manager is important when he's talking to engineers as they're designing stuff. Says, so then when you have certain features, certain requests like this, yeah, we won't be able to do that. Uh, you in a second, Jane? I think my, you're going to answer because you're going to talk about an indoor navigation icon, but I have another question, and that is with the humanware companion software. I have this problem where I go to um, exit it, and it says that it will come back with a remove device. Thank you, Carl. So the question was about the Humanware Companion software and uh, some of the errors that Carla gets with it. I don't know how widespread this is. I'm going to have to apologize here. I'm not following up too much on the software, so I'll have to I'll have to check with the engineers on this. Oh, can I say something about that? I'll I'll F4 back. Unless uh, Peter, do you have any ideas I, about that? I'll I'll F4 back. So it's generally a Windows 7 issue, but yeah, if you over here. I always go, whether it's Windows 7 or Windows 10, oh. I go to the system tray, and then just sorry. go to, oh, sorry. I, whether I'm using Windows 10 or Windows 7, I go to the system tray with JAWS PF11, and then press S for safely remove hardware and enter on that, and either press E or down arrow to reject device, and then it's fine. Okay, thank you, Kate. Uh, all right, do we have any other questions, or do you want to hear about how Galileo works? Okay, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Sorry, I almost skipped over you. Back to the, back to the screen. Um, Sure. 
Yeah, that, that's a great question, but it goes back to we'd have to rewrite the fundamental architecture. But you are the second person in less than a week to bring up that exact point. So we're going to ask the engineers in the next update. Let's just have Tom with a female voice. Okay. The one that I was trying to remember before, and I have a Victor Stratus. Love it. Uh, are you not supporting that anymore? I haven't seen an update for it in a while. We are indeed supporting it. Unfortunately, the uh, surprised Americans have it. It's really, really, really huge in Europe. And the way we support it is that the big libraries, so the equivalent of the NLS, for example, in France or Germany or the Netherlands, will come in with an order saying that, okay, we need 10,000 of them and we need this new feature. So then we'll say, okay, we'll do that. And not that 10,000 is what, not 10,000 is what, would be awesome. But uh, <laughs> probably like in the hundreds to thousands, whereas, you know, they, they get them and they're supporting, uh, because they're basically socialists there. Anybody who's blind will automatically get one. So you just have to apply for it, and boom, it's there. Um, if it, see, see if you could emigrate to the Netherlands. I can tell you from experience, it's a great country. Um, yeah, so that, that's how they do that. So we are supporting the Stratus. We just don't have too many in the States. So that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear. I like that. It's a great product, too. OK, so I think we're going to end that for the question period for Okay, one last comment, and I then. You know what? That is what the Strat is. Yeah. That's the Strat. It's it's a disc band well, version. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, never mind. It's wrong. It's wrong. Newbie mistake. It's a very old product, and it was sort of like a disc man, which had been adapted for people with visual impairment. It was on the market for about two to three years. Then uh, it died. How about the vibe? Does anybody have a vibe? No. Okay, so yeah, in case you're wondering if you've never heard of the Stratus, this is, I have to see what we sell in the, in the U.S. market. Do we sell the one with the CD? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this this is a neat product. It's, okay. So yeah, this is a neat product where um, it, it's great for senior citizens who or people who just recently lost their vision because it, it, it's big, you can hold it. The buttons are huge and it's very easy to use. All right, and the speaker works great. <laughs> this is the Stratus, yeah. What uh, does it play? It plays everything that a stream would, more or less. You've got some features that come up. There's books. Uh, it also plays CDs, if you have libraries with CDs. Or if you don't use CDs, then you can get the one that just downloads from the internet. So it's pretty cool. We do, do have it on the website. Check it out, see okay. if you like it. Um, Okay, so I think for now we're gonna end it on the questions because we only have 15 minutes left. So if you do have a question, just come up to us and ask it. Let's see what happened here. If there was anything I didn't talk about. So yeah, Galileo. 
All right, so I'll talk about Galileo. This was a huge, huge buzz. It was a few years ago when it came out. It says, oh, you're gonna get some meter precision, or this is for in America, so three feet, or pig's heads, or whatever it is you guys use down here. Um, and yeah, they weren't wrong. It is possible to get that incredible precision. What they didn't say was that you could only get this if you have a very special hardware that could communicate with the new method of doing this. So the way all GPSs work is you have a bunch of satellites up in space, they're sending down a signal, connects to your receiver, and you know your receiver needs to be connected to minimum four satellites to get a position. Uh, this is because you're looking for three coordinates, so latitude, longitude, altitude. You have three unknowns, you need four equations. In practice, you're usually connected to at least six, but the point is, these satellites are sending down the signal at a very particular frequency. Uh, 1.5 gigahertz, if you want to get really, really deep into it. So this satellite signal is coming down, and what happens at this wavelength is um, up in the atmosphere, so up in the high stratosphere, uh, various ions, so they get interference from solar radiation, there's interference from uh, water molecules. So it's coming in as the signal comes from the satellite, it's actually precise down to less than a half meter, but then by the time it passes through the atmosphere, that balloons up to three meters, something pretty high. What the Galileo uh, network introduced, and what's coming up in not just Galileo, but also GPS is introducing this, uh, LONAS probably isn't because it's Russian, and Russia right now, their space agency is a bit of a mess. The Chinese one, Beidou, is doing it. Um, so you're, you're having a lot of the global ones are doing this. They introduced the second frequency. So they have this 1.5 gigahertz, but then they have one at 1.1 gigahertz. And this one's better because um, it used to be blocked from being used, but then the military decided, okay, now you guys can access this. And at 1.1 gigahertz, it's not suffering nearly as much interference. So it reaches your, your, your GPS being with less interference, and your device now, what it can do is use that first one to correct, um, yeah, so it uses the 1.1 gigahertz signal to correct for the 1.5 gigahertz signal. So this way, this improves precision. So you're getting two measurements, and both are more precise. It also doesn't bounce off walls and urban canyons as much, and it, it's really, really great. What they didn't say is that you're gonna need a new type of hardware that can actually read and receive these two okay. signals. And you know, if you look up at the um, uh, Galileo Consortium website, what they say is that, oh yeah, just connect onto it, don't worry, you're gonna get 10 centimeter precision, this is great. Then when you look at the real details of it, they barely indicate that, oh, you know, you're gonna have to have this dual receiver. You can get 10 centimeters if you leave your device in the middle of a place with as many features as a desert, like the Sahara, and keep it there for like 12 hours. Then you're gonna get that really high precision. Uh, now the other thing, so these chips also did not come available onto the market until late last year. There was one manufacturer supplying them in 2000, at the, sorry, at the beginning of 2018 they came out available. Uh, today there's four, but they're brand spanking new. Uh, there's only one commercial device that we know of that has it. So uh, we checked it out, we tried it out, we brought it in. And we don't think it's going to roll out in a lot of the consumer devices because it is more precise. You see it as, as I'm walking down the street and it says I'm in front of the door, I'm in front of this door, it's telling me I'm in front of, which is awesome. But then if you compare it to the cell phones we have now, and yeah, so caveat, I am sighted. 
I walk up and the cell phone tells me I'm in front of the door, but I'm only five feet off, well, that's all right. That's good enough because I could look up and see that, oh, I'm good. So technically for most people, we're there. So it's not worth the extra cost, the extra risk at this time to incorporate this. In. Uh, but that one phone that we got, we tested out, like I said, it, look, it looks pretty cool. Um, and, and as we look forward, this is something that we do want to try to incorporate into our products. So that, that's what's happening with the Galileo. Uh, oh, okay, so we have a question. Thank you. Jeannie Johnson from Nashville, Tennessee. So my question is, and Robert, I realize you weren't here then, so because you, you're only almost six months old, but I remember when the Victor Trek came out and it sounded very exciting, and I'll have to tell you, I do love mine. I love the fact that it has more internal memory. I love the fact that it can be Bluetooth if I want to do that. But I have found for the most part that my GPS part doesn't work very well. When I go to, when I press the button and it says orientation, more often than not, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's not like I'm in a little rural area or anything like that, it will say, uh, no satellite found or un satellite unavailable or something like that. Now when we went to Florida to visit my stepdaughter, it was able to tell us cross streets when we were driving. And I'm like, oh wow. But it seems to me like, I guess it makes me wonder, did they really test the GPS um, part of it to make sure that it was working before they sold us this product that was almost two times as much as the Victor Reader without the track? Oh, if you could be a fly on the wall for when I talk <laughs> with the engineers. <laughs> So it is a really good question. And so as you know, when, when we got back in, I don't know, 2017, uh, when I saw the first, uh, this is Peter Tusik, and yeah. when, when I started beta testing the product, and we, we had quite a few beta testers, the, the hardest part of beta testing a product like that is we, we can only test it where we can test it that makes sense. So I live in Chicago and it works great, right? And when I take it to certain places, I would find inconsistencies and I could report them and say, hey, when I was in Vicksburg, Michigan, uh, this highway didn't exist, right? Or I could say something like that. So so we we tested it out in the field and I, you know, at that time, you know, Greg, Greg had set minutes out and we, we, we certainly tested it. And as, and as a user, I mean, I, I know we have people in various parts of the country, but I definitely, you know, I, I, I don't want the impression that somehow out there that Kimura wouldn't test that, that product. I mean, that, that wouldn't, we would never do that. There's no way. I would never get up in front of people every week if I didn't test or use what we, what we put out there. I just wouldn't do it. Now, is the consistency a problem? And I've noticed just as I travel, absolutely. And I think kind of what Robert was touching on with the routing engines. I think when we see an update to that routing engine, I would bet you that when you start looking at, at pre-planned routes or you're starting to put in destinations or you're starting to look at points of interest and the way it's tracking your movements will greatly improve. Um, but it, it's unfortunate because we have some users who will say, oh, it's flawless and I use it, I got one from the VA or I got one from Leader Dog or I got one from somewhere and it's fantastic and I use it all the time. 
And then and they're much like there's the blind captain who brings it out into San Francisco Bay and uses it to find his fishing spots, right? Um, which is really cool. And he's on YouTube and he used it to cross, you know, the the, um, the strait between the Asian and European sides of Istanbul. And that sort of stuff is really, really neat. But there are definitely going to be places and times where, or even individual units, where the performance is different. So it we 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 beta test as much as humanly possible. And and I I mean for anyone who's ever beta tested, whether it's with the Braille Note Touch, whether it's with the you know the, the Victor products, um, we we try we really try to identify issues so that they don't come out and be problems. But we definitely we are not that big, so we can only hit where we have people. So I, I hope that helps because we definitely test it. I I promise you. Yeah, and uh, to put it in perspective, so this update that we're doing now, they installed it on the, so first you do the testing online on their laptops because they're software engineers and they're doing it at their desk. Uh, now this week they installed it on the Trek. This is the phase that we're at now. And they're going to be testing it through the rest of the summer at least. And this isn't going to be getting to the beta testers probably till the fall. And we're going to keep it with them for at least six weeks. So that that's that's just for an update and when we have an actual product so like i said i wasn't here for the track but i see what processes are in place to make sure that they really do get tested and like peter said gps is tricky there's also uh, especially with the single frequency there is subject interferences so i, I don't think nashville has the tallest buildings <laughs> no <laughs> Exactly, but there could be something like that just for whatever reason it's not finding those satellites, that there's maybe you have a lot of trees by your house. Are you trying to turn it on inside? Or? I'm, I'm, I've tried it inside. Okay, inside and outside, so yeah. Yeah, we have that. Just the pure GPS devices sometimes can be tricky though. Oh, I'm sorry, yes please. Um, my name is Dawn, Dawn Crockett, and I live in uh, London, Ontario, Canada. And I've just just received my new track. So, and I, I've only been working with it four months. I've been a common user of your Victor Streams. I've got different ones. And I just wanted to say, I'm enjoying what I'm able to do on my own with my guide dog. So, I just wanted to say thank you. And give you a comment. Oh, thank, you. thank you very much for the feedback. That was, that was great to hear. I'm happy that this is helping out. All right, so the other thing that I wanted to touch on was this uh, also when we put on iBeacon Ready. That's true, we are iBeacon Ready. But what is the situation with indoor navigation at the moment? So the reason outdoor navigation works is we got two things. Uh, satellites up in space give us a means to tell us our position in space. So that's where the eye beacons come in. If you have Bluetooth beacons, then that tells you inside, gives you your position in space in an indoor setting. The second factor is maps. The world has been mapped. So as you go outside, you can position yourself in space and place yourself on that map. What's lacking indoor is the maps. There's a few, quite a few things lacking for indoor. Uh, you know, we haven't converged on what technology is going to be best for positioning. So what is the equivalent of GPS, but in war? But really it's the mapping that's the biggest problem because no one, no one has found a way to be able to um, inexpensively, reliably, and uh, 
cost-effectively map the indoor world. Uh, yeah, and companies like like TomTom, like Clear, who used to be Navtech, now they were bought out by uh, three of the biggest car companies in the world, uh, at least in Germany, to do like outdoor routing. One of their big projects about four years ago, a really really hot topic, was to do indoor mapping, and that that kind of flopped. They got uh, they call their product Venues. You can actually go online if you go to I think it's Venues.here.com. Um, you can see that little product, and you know they talk about how great it is, but then when you talk about the details, in reality, there's only 2,000 venues in the world full stop that have decided to go with them, and only 250 of them are regularly maintained. So as long as you keep on having that poor quality of indoor mapping, you're not going to get indoor navigation. At least if we're trying to replicate it in the same way that's been done for outdoor navigation. Now there's other interesting technologies out there, stuff that's been used for, uh, let's say, robots, like robot vision. If you ever uh, played around with robots, there's a technique called SLAM, so that's called simultaneous localization and mapping. Basically uses a sensor like a camera, it enters into the spot, takes a picture of everything, and if you have two, three, four cameras, it's able to measure distances and place you in a place and be able to navigate that way. So it's kind of quite one of my friends I uh, used to work at Apple. He did the software for I think the iPhone 5. So he, he basically did this too. It's a technique that's, you know, it's old, it's standard, it's 1986. It works great, but it won't work for wayfinding. Because again, you can send the, the robot in or the, the camera or if it's you with a device walking in, you'll be able to map out the room as it is here, but you won't know what's in the next room. Um, yeah, so right now there's, uh, back in March, there was the APH hosted an indoor navigation symposium. So we were about 50 participants, was, you know, the top companies who are working on this. And we came to the conclusion that, well, okay, we've got to come up with the data standard. We've got to come up to figure out what technology is going to work. But the biggest piece that's missing is how do we get indoor maps? So I think there's one company that I think that has an interesting strategy. We'll see if that one works out. If it does, we'll be able to roll this out and start offering it in some places that do business with them. Uh, but yeah, the indoor navigation is a big, big, big goal for a lot of companies, not just us, and a lot of the big ones too. A lot of the companies like Amazon as well, because what they want to do, they're happy delivering stuff for now up to your door. One of the visions they have, this was at one of their board meetings, was to have a drone come into your house and deliver your package exactly where you want it to be. So this is they're serious about that. Things like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, well, I mean, you have Alexa's always listening to you, so it knows exactly where you want stuff, and they want to make you happy by delivering it exactly where it's going to be. <laughs> so that that's the current state for indoor navigation. Okay. So probably the last thing is the updates. Um, so what's coming up is, like I said, we got the track, um, the update coming up for that before the end of the year. We're also going to throw in maybe a couple of other maintenance fixes, uh, bug fixes. We haven't reached that point where we can say what we're going to work on yet, what we're going to be, well, sorry, not what we're, we're working on stuff, uh, what's going to be able to make it for uh, an update in time to be packaged up with this routing engine. On the stream, this has been around since 2012, software-wise. Uh, I think we've done all the WizBank features we can. 
Yeah, except Audible. <laughs> but like I said, we're working with Audible on that, and that's that's looking like it's going to be a long-term project because it's going to take both our companies to coordinate, and usually that that never never happens quickly. Uh, the other big pain point that, that I heard quite a bit about is, let's say if you go to a hotel like this, yeah, how do you connect to the Wi-Fi? Uh, that is a tricky problem for us. Um, yeah, we're hoping to have, you know, we're, we are working on a fix, but again, it is tricky. I, it's not going to be in the next update, I can tell you that, but hopefully it is going to be delivered in a future update. Uh, so that's all I have for my piece. We have two questions. There's a lady in the back was chomping at the bit to raise her hand and ask a question. So, what is the scope of the current update number for the Victor? I mean, I've had, there was an update that at the moment that I got the notice, there is an update for your Victor Reader. And I, at the time, didn't want it, but I didn't get the notice again. Then a couple of weeks later, there was another notice that I had an update, and I got it. I got it right. So be sure what the current version is. Uh, if it's the Trek, it's 1.3.4. If it's, yeah, it's on the Trek. Okay, and if it's the Street, I believe it's 4.8.4. 14 or would yep oh, sorry 15 yeah that's it that's it i couldn't tell if it was 14 or 15. okay so if you don't get it uh so what you got to do is well first go online make sure that your stream is connected to the internet uh yeah so make sure it's on wi-fi <laughs> and if there is an update it should tell you that oh there's an update available now if it doesn't prompt you then what you have to do is go to our website um, you click the support tab, go to the Victor stream, uh, then you'll find links to what the latest software is. When you download that onto the SD card and transfer that SD card over to uh, the stream and install. Or just get in, call up our support and they'll walk you through. You can also check in the menus yeah. if you hit the number seven. Oh yeah, yeah check no, in the no, menus. No, no, and, and you also on number seven, you, you can set it where you automatically get the updates. I have a mindset, well, automatically get the updates. But you got to tell them to install. Yeah, it's uh, zero. Yeah, so if you click zero, and uh, so you know the way you cycle through the letters with the other, with let's say one, you do that on the zero, and it should give you all the symbols. Have you tried that? Okay, so there you go. So try that, and then you should, should get it going. Okay, or somewhere in one. All right, so it's 8.15, last question right here, and then if you want something else, you'll have to come harass us. Um, Bill Wright, Global Kentucky. Um, when, when I got my uh, Victor screen, um, I, I would really like to suggest um, in the uh, in the help in the help screen, uh, say something about the one and the zero because I never thought I was going to find the at and the apostrophe 
Well, in the usual man manual, for some reason, I I had a real hard time with the uh, the one and the and one and the zero. I just think you know, maybe maybe a little more information in the usual manual. Okay, that's good feedback. We'll, we'll do what we can to make sure that this, this information gets out. So, all right, it's 8.15. I think we have to wrap it up. So thanks, thank Peter. You. Thank everybody. I want to thank you very much for your time because it's interactions like this that help us make the right decisions moving forward and make sure that we try to make your life a bit easier when dealing with this technology. So thank you very much for coming. I appreciate it a lot. Folks, why don't you let me um, try and kind of get you organized so we can go row by row so we don't have like a...